Welcome to 2019. Leah Pika here. Today's episode is all about giving constructive criticism a New Year's resolution. Stay tuned to learn how to keep the peace on the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 41. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics, visualizations, and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 41st episode of the Present Beyond Measure show, the only podcast at the intersection of presentation, data visualization, and analytics. This is the place to be if you're ready to make maximum impact and create credibility through thoughtfully presented data stories. Welcome to a whole new year of presenting insights awesomely. But looking back, 2018 was amazing. It was my year of bravery, and man, it did not disappoint. I restarted my solo training business, ramped up my podcast in a big way, and laid the groundwork for launching my new data storytelling virtual bootcamp, which you can learn more about at leahpika.com slash bootcamp. So 2019 is my year of radical compassion, where I'm determined to make judgment a distant memory and infuse all areas of my life, including my teachings, with a lean towards kindness and cooperation. Because in my experience, these are two key ingredients in creating the career and the life that you want. And I'm hoping that you'll see in today's episode, kindness and cooperation can lead to some really amazing things when it comes to presenting our work to each other. So let's dive in. All right, if you're multitasking right now, I want you to stop the other thing or things you're doing safely and imagine this scenario. You've been slaving away on a quarterly campaign readout for weeks. A lot is riding on this presentation. You've conducted an in-depth analysis and are preparing to make recommendations for big program changes. You're running it past your VP, who is notoriously picky and takes no prisoners during the feedback process. You know deep in your bones that they're gonna slice up your hard work like a regifted Christmas panettone cake that no one wants to eat. You finish explaining one particular slide, and the first thing they say is, hmm, I don't really like how you represented our campaign budget allocation in a pie chart like that. Don't you know that they're like public enemy number one in the data viz world? And the colors are so ugly. Please change it. Next slide. Ouchies, <laughs> right? So take a moment to really visualize that happening. How did it feel? Not so great. Maybe even like a sucker punch. Almost like you're being accused of not communicating well instead of being seen for all your hard work. And chances are there's more, quote, constructive feedback where that came from. You leave that review feeling like a deflated Pikachu balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. This post was written during the holidays, so I am entitled to these analogies. Or what about when you're asked to give your VP feedback and when you do, 
they suddenly become really defensive and argumentative. You find that the conversation starts to degrade into a confrontation, not a discussion. Does any of this sound familiar to you? If it does, and you're interested in learning why this happens and how to avoid it, this is the podcast for you. So this issue recently came to light for me as I prepared for my next data storytelling workshop. At the end of the workshop, I take students through my capstone live exercise. This is a simulation where participants present a data story to the class as if we are their stakeholders and we provide communal feedback. Now, for the last two years, I've been studying a form of conflict resolution called nonviolent communication or NVC for short. And along the way, I learned productive tools of navigating tricky situations like giving constructive criticism. But as this next workshop approach, I looked back and suddenly realized that I had never before used those tools during the live exercise. I remember kind of with some sadness recalling the presenting students' looks of rejection and slumped and closed body language when we all dove in with our assessments head first. And it dawned on me that when we deliver our valuable insights in a group setting, this effect is way amplified. A simple piece of negative feedback received alone is hard enough, but in front of our peers and superiors, it can feel like a public lynching. Now, giving and receiving feedback is a required part of our daily lives as digital analysts and marketers and managers. And yet, I've observed the process degrade into tension, discord, and downright uncomfortable exchanges. I resolved to change that with my next class, so I created a solution, and I was blown away by the results. Now, before I share my method with you, let's try to understand what's at the root of this systemic issue. So why do we give constructive criticism? Well, in my mind, the reason why we give feedback to others is simple. We are too close to our own work, and the more lenses we place on it, the more we reveal useful facets about it. But how we deliver that feedback is, in my experience, as important as the feedback itself. Our delivery can affect how receptive to and motivated they are to use our feedback. Delivered in a judgmental and harsh way, criticism can build an invisible wall of resistance in the recipient that blocks it from being productively received by them. And you don't even know this is happening. This is because we human beings have a core human need to be seen and appreciated for our accomplishments. This core need is called significance, and it makes us feel important and useful to the world. We all have a need to feel seen and appreciated. And since we spend more waking hours with our coworkers than with our own families, that need is very present in the workplace. So what does this have to do with the process of presenting data? Well, it's my firm belief that a key to a presentation success is not just what happens in the conference room. Rather, it's the relationship rapport that's built outside of the conference room that sets the stage for what happens inside the conference room. Now, I discussed the six core human needs by Tony Robbins at length in a previous podcast episode, which you may find a valuable reference for this post. You can check out that episode at leahpika.com slash 036. 
Now, my alter ego CSI loving forensic scientist just loves to put concepts like this that we normally accept at face value under the microscope. So let's dissect the phrase constructive criticism, starting with the criticism part. Criticism is officially defined as the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. The key word I wish to highlight here is perceived faults or the idea that something is inherently wrong with what's being criticized. In deepening my study of nonviolent communication, I realized that I, like so many others, tend to first look for what's wrong with something instead of what's right with it. And that's attributable to fake news, grumbly parents, and a pervasive belief that there isn't enough good in the world to go around. And as a result, we generally operate from a scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset can create a competitive culture in our corporate environments that feels more like prize fighting than partnership. Now, I could go on for days about how adopting an abundance versus scarcity mindset would transform businesses, but that is a topic for another day. But back to this, somewhere along the line, we inserted constructive in front of the word criticism to possibly rationalize the lens of negativity by adding an air of utility. Well, I hate to be the bearer of negative news, But in my experience, positioning negative feedback as useful may seem to justify giving it, but it doesn't take the sting out of receiving it. And that sting is the exact thing that creates the wall of resistance that prevents them from wanting to use your feedback, even if you have perfectly good intentions. It's crazy. Now, there's another term that resonates more deeply when I think about the purpose of giving feedback, and that word is critique. A critique is defined as a detailed analysis and assessment of something. I want you to notice what's missing from this definition in contrast with criticism. What's missing is the inherent negative perception of fault or wrongness. It feels neutral. It may seem subtle, but it makes all the difference in how feedback is given and received. Where so-called constructive criticism defaults to pointing out what's wrong first, a neutral critique can actually build a bridge to that person and create receptivity to your feedback. I've crafted a unique constructive criticism method I call the conscious critique, Conscious, meaning that you are bringing an awareness to your evaluations and assessment to minimize conflict and resistance. The conscious critique is distilled from principles of NVC and something called the sandwich feedback method, which, quote, sandwiches critical input with two layers of positive appreciation. It was also inspired by techniques outlined in Good Charts, which is my favorite data storytelling book of all time by Harvard Business Review editor and great friend Scott Berenato. So today I'm going to use the acronym ASSESS to walk you through our constructive criticism example. My ASSESS method, I'm sure, will help you keep the peace and create a communication culture of feedback without fear. Are you ready? Of course you are. 
Step 1. A. For acknowledge their effort first. Viktor Frankl once wisely and famously stated, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. It is one of my most favorite quotes of all time and portrays a philosophy that has taken years to integrate into my approach to communication. This step of the conscious critique represents that space between stimulus and response. So if you take only one technique from this episode, make it this one. Before you criticize them, compliment them. Huh, you ask? (laughs) Why would I compliment them if I don't like their work? Well, I will tell you why. Because there must be something redeeming about the work they've done, and they're human beings who, just like you, have that need for significance from others. And when you acknowledge their effort before rendering judgment, you lower their wall of resistance to your feedback. Think of this step as the first slice of bread in the sandwich method, a soft, doughy cushion for the critical filling to come. You can acknowledge them by saying things like, wow, I really like how you, or, oh, I love what you did with the, or the way you did XYZ makes it so clear to me. Or simply, great job. In this constructive criticism example, our VP could have said, you know, I really like how you showed the story of search clicks versus conversion rate. I can immediately see how we need to investigate that dip in late October. Can you see how different that feels already as the first thing that they say? You know, what to say is kind of a no-brainer, but remembering when to say it Is the trick worth learning? All right, step two. S for stay curious and ask questions about the area of feedback. If I had to give you communication advice for life, it would be to stay curious. When we stop being curious, we create meanings and assumptions and judgments that most of the time are not true, believe it or not. I'll say it again. Most of the time, our meanings and judgments are not true. This is pretty much a scientific fact. (laughs) And those pesky judgments can really get us into trouble with the person we're communicating with. You can prevent sounding judgmental by asking things like, may I ask a question about, or I noticed on the previous slide that you, or I'm wondering about this particular area, Or, my personal favorite, tell me more about your approach. Now, notice that these phrases generally start with what's called I statements. In communication, I statements make feedback come from a place of internal, subjective perspective. Notice the difference when you hear judgmental phrases like, you didn't do this right, or why didn't you, or shouldn't you have... Or, not to poke holes in this, but (laughs) I'm personally guilty of that one. Now, if those feel triggering to you, it's because they are negative you statements. 
When we use you statements, we convey an air of judgment that can breed hostility. A perfectly sound piece of feedback can fall squarely on deaf ears if given with an offensive you statement. Trust me. Now, in our constructive criticism example, our VP could have avoided resistance by withholding their feedback and first asking, hey, I noticed you used a pie chart and different colors to represent our budget allocation. Can you tell me more about your approach? Something like that would have elicited an explanation from you that would not only increase their compassion and understanding of your thought process, but possibly change their perspective on their own feedback. That's the power of staying curious. And now a short break with a message brought to you by me. A new year means fresh budgets for training and professional development. How are you going to spend yours? So if you manage a team of digital practitioners or are responsible for their learning curves, a workshop with me would make a solid investment in how data stories get presented for maximum impact in your organization. Other workshops focus only on general data visualization or presentation, and they don't necessarily address the unique challenges in the digital marketing and analytics roles that I lived in for over 12 years. So give me two days and I'll give you and your team a powerful neuroscience backed toolbox for planning, designing and delivering digital data presentations that inform decisions and inspire action. So to find out more about my training services, please hop on over to leahpika.com workshops and reach out today. Now, step three. This is a hard one. S for stop and just listen. This step is less about what to do and more about what not to do. Try to resist interrupting the presenter while they're presenting. Learn to embrace silence when you're listening. This is an incredibly challenging skill to master. I can say that with confidence as a mostly self-reformed, hole-poking busybody that once didn't hesitate to butt in with my opinion. But because our work environments are so competitive, we often just listen to respond with our thoughts instead of listening to understand their thoughts, right? So when you feel the urge to jump in, take a deep breath and wait for them to finish. But how do you always know when they're finished? Well, either they'll ask for your thoughts or questions, or they'll just pause. If they only pause, try to allow them to take at least one to two full breaths before jumping in. This is so much harder than it sounds, but believe me, it can be learned. Now, this is the extra bonus. No matter how much you disagree with their perspective, try to keep a friendly or neutral face while they're speaking. I am a facially expressive person, I'm told, and unfortunately this works against me because I tend to show my displeasure or confusion right on my face while others are explaining an opposing view. So try to practice your poker face as best as possible so that you don't create tension while they're talking. In a corporate culture where jumping in to insert our opinion is not only tolerated but expected, 
Listening to understand is a tremendously valuable skill in making the other party feel seen and heard. Okay, step four. E, for express what doesn't work for you and why. Okay, here's where the constructive rubber meets the critical road. You've gotten to the gooey filling of the sandwich where you're relaying what you wish to change. Hopefully, you've laid a cushiony, bready layer of appreciation to soften what's to come. Now, in this step, notice I didn't tell you to express what you believe is wrong with their work. Right and wrong are subjective and can come off as accusatory judgments. You want to continue using I statements by focusing on what doesn't work for you and why. You can express what doesn't work for you with softer statements like, This doesn't work for me because my experience, this hasn't worked for me because, or it didn't quite land the way with me you had intended because, see the theme there? Now back to the constructive criticism example, our VP could say, hmm, I appreciate why you made the choices you did. The pie chart doesn't work for me because the segments are out of order and so similar in size that I can't quickly understand the ranking of our budget categories. And I want to make sure our stakeholders see it really clearly during the actual meeting. Now, this specific and observational feedback is much easier to swallow than a simple pot shot. And it gives the presenter a clear line of sight to improvement. Five, suggest how you would approach it differently. Now, when I say suggest a different approach. I do not mean dictate what they should or shouldn't do. That is called a demand, which is the fastest road to resistance. I mean suggest using words like can and could, which positions the feedback as a request or an invitation to change. On the other hand, using demanding words like should and negative words like can't or wouldn't imply judgment and may work against you. My relationship coach alerted me to my habit of what she called shooting on other people and how it was creating resistance in my relationships. So ask yourself, are you more likely to be receptive to a request or a demand? Less productive phrasing could include, you should do it this way, or that can't be right, or "Mm, I wouldn't have done it like that. You also want your critique to be extremely specific and actionable. Saying you don't like something without giving specific direction may not be constructive, even if you deliver it in a conscious way. So to give a genuine suggestion, you can say things like, in my experience, XYZ has worked well, or you could try, or you can always, or you may want to, or If I had my way, I might, or in this case, I would. Lots of options here. So in our example, the VP could have said, if we kept the pie, you could try sorting the segments and labeling them directly. In my experience, alternatives like bar charts communicate composition more clearly though, and I've observed fewer question marks when I use them. But other than that minor tweak, really nice job. Now notice what I threw in there at the end, a reaffirmation of approval. This is the final soft bread layer of the feedback sandwich. 
See how different that felt from their original constructive criticism dump? And last, but not least, six, S for solicit their thoughts on your suggestions. Remember, this is a dialogue, not a monologue. If they're inviting you to give your thoughts, absolutely invite them to give their thoughts in return. Asking for their input on your input shows that you're still curious as to how your feedback landed for them and helps you collaborate on the most effective way forward. You can try phrasing like, I'd love to know what you think about that, or what are your thoughts on that? It's not too complicated here. It's just asking others what they think, which happens in meetings less than you'd think. And make sure you ask from a place of genuine curiosity not reluctance. If you're outwardly inviting them to express their thoughts that are energetically not welcome with you, I'm telling you, they will feel it. Now from here, either your presenter accepts your feedback in full, or you have the opportunity to collaborate on a solution. You might find that even if they don't agree with your input, their willingness to find middle ground is higher when you've diffused the charge out of the feedback process. And that is the conscious critique. So let's quickly recap the full conscious critique assess method one more time. First, acknowledge their effort. Stay curious about the area of feedback. Stop and just listen. Express what didn't work for you and why suggest how you would approach it differently, and solicit their thoughts on your suggestion. To make learning this method even easier, I've created a free printable script that you can use to stay on track during the conversation. You can download this by going to the show notes page for this episode at leahpika.com critique and click on the first link you see in the little green box. So after going through this constructive criticism example, I invite you to ask yourself, what felt better to you? What would you rather receive? If you'd rather receive critique than criticism, the first step is to start modeling it for others and watch the magic unfold. But if this method sounds challenging to you, or you feel like a bad communicator and you'll never get this right, never fear. I don't judge others for delivering criticism instead of critique if it's simply a lack of awareness. It's my deepest belief that no one is bad at anything. There are just people who have the tools and people that don't have the tools yet. That is, as long as your intentions are not to undermine or humiliate your coworkers. If those are your intentions, well, that's worth putting under the microscope too. Now, if this topic resonates with you or you're interested in creating a culture of constructive critique, please contact me at leahpika.com contact for my brand new keynote and training module on the assess method. So transforming criticism into critique with consistent practice is an investment that will pay healthy dividends in your professional future. It will help you build strong rapport in your work relationships, and that goodwill can show up in some unexpected places. The coworker you gave gracious feedback to last month may become your boss next month, so put the investment in now. 
I've seen dramatic changes as a result of using this alternative method for constructive criticism. I use this critique framework with my own assistant team, and guess what? They actually enjoy working with me. (laughs) And in my last workshop, the live exercise created a gracious and vibrant energy that was palpable to everyone in the room. I even asked why one student was smiling during his critique. His response? Because their feedback is such a joy to receive. (laughs) Boom. So in a world that promotes shooting all over each other, let's do something kinder and more productive this year with that space between stimulus and response. And then let's politely ask criticism to vacate the conference room. That's it for today. I hope you take some of these feel-good vibes with you into the new year and beyond. It is a time where giving is as important as receiving, and the conscious critique is a gift that can create goodwill for all. And I want to express again my gratitude to you, dear listener, for continuing to support my journey as data storytelling evangelist as I support your journey from data storyteller to thought leader. Always remember that I'm in your corner cheering you on, no matter what floor or stage you're stepping onto. You've got this, and I've got you. So stay curious, my friends. Namaste. Namaste.